Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. This has been, this has been a morning. Uh, <laughs> so I woke up this morning um, at, uh, at 4 a.m. because there are, there are two fours in a day, just in case you didn't know. There's a 4 p.m. and a 4 a.m. Some people don't know that. So I got up this morning and, um, you know, just began to prepare for, uh, for today and uh, just get my thoughts and my mind right and all that sort of stuff and just ready for this absolutely amazing day. And I get on Facebook and, well, actually I saw that I had a call from somebody I hadn't heard from in a long time and I listened to the call and they're telling me, hey, don't know if you knew this or not, but uh, this individual, uh, I'll just leave his name out of it, but somebody that I knew that came through our Teen Challenge ministry years ago uh, died yesterday. And, you know, I, I don't know the whole story for sure exactly what happened, but I think that it had to do uh, possibly with drugs or something like that. And so... Uh, just waking up in the morning, you know, just like right first thing, it's like there's just this sense of loss, you know. And so I did two things. Obviously, I prayed, and then I just, as sort of a shameless plug, I wore my Celebrate Recovery shirt uh, for the purpose of this. Of I want to make the statement, if anybody needs help, if you're battling a life-controlling issue, Jesus has the power to save, and there are ministries available. God has birthed ministries. He has birthed the ministry that I work for, Teen Challenge, which is a residential program and other ministries like it. There's Christian recovery groups like Celebrate Recovery, uh, which we're going to be partnering with in this new year uh, to just to try to reach more people because uh, there's just a lot going on. And I know here in Staten Island, they've re-nicknamed it Satan's Island because of a lot of the opioid addiction and things going on. So please, please, and if you know anybody, help them reach out, all right? We're good? All right. The other thing that happened was that before we were getting ready for worship, uh, my car rolled backwards and smashed into another car, but that's, that's another story. We're all good. We're all good. I, I'm just, I told Pastor Roe I was going to use that for sympathy, so now that you guys are all feeling sorry for me, if the ushers would come forward, we're going to take an offering, all right? <laughs> that's a, hey, we can get out of church early. I mean, it depends on, you know, if you want to do it now. All right. But uh, I'm so grateful to be here. I was a little taken back uh, just with this topic just because, um, number one, it's a humbling thing to be asked to speak on a Sunday like this. And then it's incredibly humbling knowing that last week you listened to a message by Pastor Robert Morris who's like, he's like the guru of generosity and giving. I mean, the guy gives away houses. Like, for real. The God has led him to give away like two or three houses and cars and all this other kind of stuff. But I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak. And I look forward to what God is going to continue to do in this place this morning. There's a corny joke, and yes, I preface it with the corny joke, so you let me off the hook if you don't like it, but I heard it before, and then I was reminded of it when I was preparing for this message, and um, there's a guy that got an opportunity to have a conversation with God, and in the midst of his conversation, he said, you know, God, I've always wanted to know, you know, the Bible talks about you being, you know, eternal and, and, and outside of time, transcendent. So God, what is, what is a billion years like to you? And God takes a moment and he says, well, a billion years is, is, is like a second. And he's like, wow, that's, I can't even comprehend that. And so he thinks for a few moments and he said, well, God, what, what is a billion dollars like? 
And God says, well, a billion dollars to me is like a penny. And so he stops and he thinks for a second and he said, well, in that case, God, can I have a penny? And God thinks for a moment and he said, yeah, just give me a second. Ah, <laughs> uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I told you it was corny, but you laughed. <laughs> So here's the deal. Today, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to give. And I know that on a day that we're talking about the, uh, a heart of giving and, and, and all that sort of stuff, I'm not here to ask you to give. I'm, ask, I'm, call, I'm here today to ask you to follow Jesus. I'm here today to ask you to live a life untethered to the things of this world. And I'm here to challenge you today to not live life business as usual. And that's what I want you to, to, to remember that phrase today, business as usual, because God is, as the song said earlier, freedom shaking up the atmosphere. God is not satisfied with yesterday's accomplishments. And I heard Dr. A.R. Bernard say one time something to the effect of that life is lived in, I think, steps, and it's arrived in stages, and, and, and each stage's accomplishments is next stage's mediocrity. And so we can't be used to or settle into living life business as usual because we're, we're, we're settling into a life of mediocrity. And if we're willing to settle into a life of mediocrity, then we're giving that for the Holy Spirit to work with. And the problem is, is he's given us a great calling to live our lives in such a way that we communicate God to the world so that he can draw all men unto him. And if we're living lives of mediocrity, then this is what we're communicating to the world about God. But God wants us to take us to new levels and to new heights, and he wants to do new things in our life. And I know that Q-How is on that track. I know that's your heart and that's your desire today. So we're going to look at a, a, just a couple of brief stories in the chapter, in the book of Luke, chapters 17 and 18. So if you have Bibles on your phones or, or whatever the case may be, you can pull those out if you want to follow along. There's some of these verses that will be on the screen and some of them may not be, but, uh, but you can follow along. And I love the book of Luke because the, the book of Luke is a book that I think that really speaks to, uh, obviously the whole Bible speaks to today, but I think that in a special way the book of Luke speaks to today because of a lot of the issues that it addresses. Luke, more than any other gospel, addresses social justice issues, and he, he really seeks to show how Jesus lifts up the marginalized and the oppressed, and he, he, he shows how Jesus changes the story and the narrative of the lives of women and how he uses them and how he empowers them for ministry. And it really shows us God's heart for the irreligious or those that don't have religion. They're not connected to religion, the Gentiles and the racial outcasts and these sort of people. But it also has a lot to say about money and possessions. And you can read a lot through the book of Luke, and there's so many stories uh, and parables about money and possessions. There's the rich man, and there's Lazarus, and there's a story of a shrewd manager where God actually makes the statement that you cannot love God and money. And so phrases like that can tend to make us uncomfortable until we begin to position our heart to truly understand what they're saying, and we make God the center of our affection as opposed to the things of this world. Do you hear me this morning? And this is what God is wanting to do in us. There's examples in the book of, of Luke where Jesus commands people literally to leave everything. There's the story of Zacchaeus, a tax collector, that God commands or leads him in his heart to, to give restitution to all the people that he has stolen from. It talks about the importance of hospitality, and it makes us often think that money is just downright bad. 
But that's not the case because we live off of it. It's required for us. We support ministries. We do great things with it. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. The book of Luke addresses three important issues. And I'm sorry I'm getting into some boring stuff here, but we're going to get some good stuff a little bit later. So just track on with me, okay? There's three issues that the book of Luke directly deals with when it comes to the issue of money and possession, and they are this. The first one is that wealth presents itself as a temptation to prestige and security apart from God. So wealth itself is not evil, but it master, if it is not mastered, it will master us. And so really you could put anything into that position. It doesn't matter whether it's wealth or that it's possession or whether it's power or whether it's fame or whether it's a person or whether it's another God, whatever the case may be. If we don't master it, it will master us. And so the Bible puts it in its proper place. And secondly, it says for Luke, wealth cannot be extracted from all other aspects of faithful living because for God, it cannot be segregated from one's social relations generally. To share with others, including and especially the poor, is to treat them as within one circle of friends, family, and kin. Conversely, to refuse to share with others is tantamount to treating them as outsiders. But it is towards people defined as outsiders that the good news is directed. So what was it saying? It's saying that for us not to live generously, if we don't live generously, then what we're doing is we're treating the very world that God has directed his gospel towards as outsiders that we don't want to welcome in. You see, not just in our world, but maybe not just the biblical world, but also in our world, the way that we spend our resources is an invitation for other people to take part in and to experience our world. We welcome them in. We take them out to meals. We maybe get gifts for people. We do all of these different things. And so within the kingdom of God, what we choose to give to, what we choose to spend our resources on is communicating to the world what we actually think about them. And so the biblical case in the book of Luke is that if we hold everything to ourselves, then we mean that our hearts aren't aligned with God in his desire to see the world saved because we're just interested in saving ourselves. The third one is that gifts in the Mediterranean world were not regarded as free, but brought with them obligations of reciprocal behavior, yet Jesus counsels his followers to lend, expecting nothing in return. So discipleship demands that one no longer be a slave to wealth or cling to possessions as though they were one source of security or social position, and that one give precedence to the family of God and especially those in need." Now, if you're like me, and before I go any, any further, you're, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, all of this is fine and good because I don't, I'm not actually wealthy, so you can move on, Pastor, right? But the problem is, is that we can be a slave to something that we don't actually have. It can control us. It can consume us. We can live our life in a certain way that we're using the things of this world to promote the wealth of our lives. We're using the things of this world to build our identity, to build our kingdom, to impress others. And these are the things that the Bible asks us to, to, to think about in our own lives. How are we using the resources that God has given us to be a steward of? Because all the way back in the beginning, God gave us the resources of this earth to be fruitful and to multiply. And that's in several different spheres. It's in the physical and the way that we, we plant and we build and we create. And it's in the relational, the way that we plant and that we create. And that way we promote healthy relationships. And it's also in the spiritual where fruitful and we multiply in the spiritual by the way that we love God and that we love other people. And when we do that, there are seeds that are planted that can't help to, but to grow into great things. 
God, the seeds of the kingdom cannot help but multiply. And so we make the choice, am I going to sow into the kingdom? Am I going to water the seeds that have been planted, given through the vision of a house or of a man or a woman of God? Am I going to buy into what God has called them to do and me to do with them? We're fruitful and we multiply even in all those areas. And if I'm honest this morning, this topic is uncomfortable because I absolutely hate how selfish and greedy that I am. It's one of those things that for myself, I wish that I could have the testimony of a Robert Morris who has given away houses. I wish I could have the testimony of all of those people that you hear are constantly giving and they're constantly giving and they're constantly giving. And my, the, the, the thing that I always have to day is, well, say is, well, someday when I have a lot of money, Someday when this happens, someday when, someday when all of these things come together, I'm going to be a giving person. But the problem is most of the time that I know in my own life that if someday say, stays someday, it will never become today. And so I have to make the choice that if I want something to happen someday, then I'm going to have to sow the seeds for it today. And so if I hate how selfish and how greedy I am, and if I'm constantly battling, then if I'm trying to impress people by the things and the possessions and the money or whatever that, that I have, instead of helping to build a kingdom that is impressive, then I need to let God in to do a work in my heart. So the issue this morning isn't about how big your bank account is or if you like to buy things for yourself. By all means, go out and buy those new Jordans. I mean, for real, do it. I mean, I, I, I love that. I think that they're great. And Frank is angry at me because I haven't worn my Jordans here in a while. And so uh, next time, I promise, I'll be here, red and whites, 11s. But the question is, is does your money in possession define you or does it define those around you? Does it define you or does it define those around you? And these are the questions that we have to ask when we think about those things. How much stock do you actually own in the kingdom? We pour plenty of our resources into stock in this world by the way that we buy and the way, the way that we consume. But how much stock do we own in the kingdom? We cannot get away from the fact, and you heard it last week, and I'm sure you've heard it weeks before, that it is a heart issue. What we do with the things that God has given us is always a heart issue. Now, let me make another disclaimer before we get into the meat of this, is that I'm not saying that, that you give up anything and everything and you live in poverty with no shoes and you don't take care of yourself and you never get a haircut and do all of those sorts of different things. I believe that you should save. I believe that you should take care of your family. I believe that you should have insurance on your car in case it rolls down a hill and smashes into somebody. So you got to have something to pay for that. <laughs> Uh, what are you going to do, man, with life? Um, but you, we have to make sure that our heart is untethered from the things of this world and that it's tethered to the kingdom or we may miss one or the other or, like some do, we may actually confuse them. And we're not even going to get into those things today. But Luke chapter 18, we're going to read verses 18 through 30 and read about a rich man who came to Jesus to ask a question. In verse 18, it says, once a religious leader, or your uh, translation might say a rich man or something to that nature, asked Jesus a question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asked a question back, why do you call me good? Jesus said, only God is truly good. 
But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely and honor your father and your mother. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, this, there is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad for he was rich. When Jesus saw this, being that he was sad, he said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? In fact, it is easier to, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, then who in the world can be saved? Peter said, we left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. In order to understand what Jesus is actually teaching here or what Luke is trying to communicate, we have a lot of phrases there that people have taken out of context and they've used for many different things. And so it's created this atmosphere where we, again, we try to sometimes shy away from some of these types of topics. But if we go back to Luke chapter 17, the chapter right before in verse 20, we see the beginning of a conversation that Luke is having with these religious leaders and they ask a pre-question to this question. And it's helpful to understand how Jesus answers the pre-question before we get to how he understands this question. And so follow along with me. I'm going to read in verse 20 and following. And I'm going to talk about how Jesus answers the question, when will the kingdom come? This man is asking, how do I inherit eternal life? In essence, how, do, how am I a part of that kingdom? And they're asking in chapter 17, when will this kingdom come? And the reason that they're asking this is because Jesus has spent some time talking about the kingdom. He's been telling parables. He's been helping them, to them, helping them to understand what the kingdom is going to look like, what it's going to, what's going to be happening when it comes, and how you are supposed to prepare yourself for its coming. And so he's talking about this thing. And so they step up and they say, okay, then when is it going to come so that we can be ready? And then it leads to the question that we just read. So how do I, how am I a part of this. And so in verse 20, the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom can't be detected by physical signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns, but you won't see it. People will tell you, look, there is the Son of Man, or here he is, but don't go out and follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on that day when the Son of Man comes. But, the, but first, the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation." When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, uh, farming and building until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and, and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And I know that seems like a very strange passage to talk about in what we're talking about in today's 
topic, but I told you I'm not asking you to give today. I want to challenge you to follow Jesus and to not live business as usual so that you don't miss out on the kingdom of God that is already in the here and now. So that you can take part in what it is that God is doing in this house. The kingdom isn't something observed. The kingdom is something experienced. The kingdom is not something observed. It's something experienced. And if our hearts are tethered to the wrong things, then we might miss it. In this passage of scripture, Jesus uses a couple of examples to help them understand, well, when is the kingdom going to come? And the first one that he gives is the story of Noah. And Noah was the individual that got the revelation from God that there was going to be a flood and he needed to build this giant boat to, to save people on. And as he was building the boat, the people didn't have the vision to see what Noah saw. And so they mocked him and they criticized them and they went about as business as usual and they missed what God was doing in their generation and so Noah went on and while they were missing it and they were living their lives unaware of the kingdom's presence God was over there with this man named Noah and he was building this boat and it tells us that all of a sudden the floods came and the doors of the boat were closed and there was destruction global destruction to all those people that missed what God was doing in their generation and the problem is is that everyone had a chance to be involved It didn't have to be that way. If they had eyes to see what God was doing or a heart to understand or to receive what Noah was warning them about, they could have been a part of the very thing that God was doing in their generation, but suddenly it came and they missed it. Jesus is saying this is what it will be like when the kingdom of God comes. And then he uses the story of Lot. It says people were going about their lives, again, unaware of the, of the kingdom's presence. And God was busy over there with this man named Abraham. And he was speaking to them and him. And he was helping him. And he was showing him. And he was leading him. And he was trying to orchestrate things so that the people of God could, in, could have a, a land as their inheritance. But the people of this place didn't want to, didn't want to, didn't have the eyes or the vision to understand what God was doing. And so while God was over there busy with this man named Abraham orchestrating, these things that all of a sudden the fire came down and it burnt up the place and there was mass destruction but it didn't have to be that way because everybody had a chance to be involved but the kingdom of God is not something observed it's something experienced If I go about living my life looking for something and waiting for something that I can see in the physical before I attach my heart and my and and my resources to it, then I'm going to miss it because the kingdom of God is not something that you see, it's something that you experience. Because God is moving and He's doing He's doing things behind the scenes. And we have to have the hearts and the eyes to see and to perceive what God is doing and to to jump on board with what it is he's doing. But I love that phrase in, in verse 30. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. It will be business as usual. See, the problem is not knowing when the kingdom will come. The problem is business as usual. Because business as usual lulls us to sleep so that we miss when the kingdom comes. And the problem is, is because we don't really believe that the kingdom is right here right now. We're waiting until we see something happen to where we be a part of it. But Jesus says the kingdom is already right here right now. And if you go on business as usual, you're going to miss it because it's right here right now. 
Everybody's going to go on buying and selling and having banquets and weddings, eating and drinking, farming and building. And it's funny that each and every one of those things has to do with us building our own lives, tethering ourselves to the things of this world and without being aware of what God is doing and and by having the faith to choose to participate because that's what faith really is. Faith is not just this extreme feeling that I work up inside myself, this, this, this strong belief that if I can just do it, if I can just believe it and have just the smallest amount that God's going to make it happen. No, faith is hopeful expectation of what's going to happen that drives me to participate in it right now and through my part participation, God is able to take that mustard seed of faith and turn it into something great. But I can't just do it because I believe that something someday is going to happen, that one day that God is going to return and everything's going to be right and Staten Island is going to be saved. No, I receive that by faith. I have a hopeful expectation that Staten Island is going to be saved. And so my faith drives me to participate in that right now so that by faith it can be accomplished because even with a little bit of faith, God can do great things. But we don't understand faith. Faith is not just sitting in a seat believing. It's not just singing songs. It's not even praying. It's hopeful expectation in what I know is going to come. It's, it's participation in my hopeful expectation of what is going to come. And, and Jesus tells us that if you have any question about it, remember what happened to Lot's, Lot, Lot's wife. She went on business as usual. And it was business for usual for her to turn around because her heart was tethered to the things that were there. She didn't have eyes to see. She didn't have the vision to know what God was doing in her generation. So even in the moment when she knew what was happening, even in the moment that God was moving, and even though this moment was about destruction, not even the fear of her own life kept her from going through business as usual. And she looked back to see what was happening and destruction came upon her. Remember what happened to Lot's life, that's uh, Lot's wife, that's our example. And then it goes on to tell us, on that day a person went out on their deck of their roof, they must, if they are out on the, the, the deck of a roof, must not go down into the house to pack a person out in the field, must not return home. So on the time that the kingdom of God begins to move and begins to be revealed, don't go back to the things that, you're, that, 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 that you've been spending all your life for. Don't go back to try to take something with you. Don't go back home to try to do things then because the kingdom of God is is already moving, and it gives us this powerful line that if you cling to your life, you will lose it, and if you let go of your life, you will save it. If you cling to your life, you will lose it, but if you let go, you will save it. You see, hearts can't be tethered to the temporary and experience the eternal. Hearts can't be tethered to the temporary and expect to experience the eternal. They can't be tethered to the natural and expect to experience the supernatural. So the problem isn't knowing about when the kingdom will come, but, uh, but, living, the li- but living life devoid of the daily experience of the kingdom of God because we're more concerned with our own lives than what God is doing in our generation. And so that's the question today as we come to this place and we talk about hearts of giving and we, we come to this place where we're latching on to the vision that God has placed in this house. Do will I have eyes and will I have vision to perceive it? And I know that Pastor Rowe talked about that weeks ago. It's about the vision, and he shared those scriptures, and he talked about what this house is going to be doing. And I have the choice to go on business as usual or in hopeful expectation. 
participating in the things that God is doing now. Trusting that with that even little amount of faith that God can do great things. And so, there's two parables that I'm not going to go into that Jesus gives the parable of the widow and the Pharisee and the tax, tax collector. And it drops us back into this passage in Luke 18 where this man asks, so what must I do? These men over here asked, well, when is it going to come? And Jesus says, what do you mean when it's going to come? It's not about when is it going to come, but when are you going to participate? Because I've been moving, I've been doing, I've been active, I've been working, I've been over here saving people, I've been over here healing, I've been over here doing all of the things that the Messiah is supposed to be doing. So don't ask me when it's coming, I'm asking you, when are you going to participate? When are you going to jump in? When are you going to have the vision for what I'm calling you to do? And so this man somehow, way, maybe after hearing all of this says, so how, do, how am I a part of that? Because I don't want to be like Lot's wife. I don't want to be like the people that were left off of the boat. What is it that I do? And so Jesus enters into a conversation with this man. He, Jesus called him good. And he said, well, why do you call me good? Because only God is good. But to answer your question, follow the commandments. And interestingly, each and every one of these commandments has to do with the horizontal relationship between us and those around us. He doesn't even mention the ones of the vertical relationship between us and God, but he draws his attention to how it is that he's living with other people in this world. And the man listens to what Jesus says, and he doesn't even question it. He says, well, I've obeyed all those since I was young. Or in other words, Jesus, that's business as usual. I've been doing that, Jesus. This is my life. This is, this is what I've experienced. This is everything that I'm about, Jesus. And Jesus, seeing, hearing what he says, he says, well, one thing you lack, sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. So there was something about what he was doing before that was not building him treasure. It might have been building him wealth in this world, but it was not building him lasting treasure. It was that his heart was tied to the temporary and he was not experiencing the eternal. And if we're not experiencing the eternal now, how do we expect to inherit or the eternal later? Because if the kingdom of God is here now, it's not about where I stand on that day when it comes. It's about where I stand in the here and now as the kingdom is here right now. Because Jesus has entered into this world and he proclaimed that the kingdom of God is here. And he says, once you get rid of that heart condition that you have, then come follow me. Then we're going to do great things because once I know now that your heart isn't tied to the temporary anymore, man, can we tear it up in the eternal. Once that I know that your heart's not tied to the natural anymore and you've got vision and you've got eyes to see and you've got a passion for the lost and you want to do great things in this world, come on, man, you can follow me. He says, then come follow me. Jesus is saying, man, you've done business as usual. But business as usual misses what God is doing. Business as usual tethers the heart to the temporary. And as I said, you can't experience the, the eternal if you're tethered to the temporary. So the, he's telling him to untether your heart so that you're free to follow me. The kingdom is here and the location of your heart will determine, to determine your participation in it. That's why I don't ask you to give. 
This message is not about giving. This message is about following Jesus. And the only way to follow Jesus is to untether my heart from the things that have held it captive for so long so that it's free to follow him. And when it's free to follow him, he's able to do great and amazing things exceedingly above anything that we could ask or imagine because that that verse that we like to quote about is not actually about money. It's, It's about relationships. It's about faithfulness. It's about forgiving. It's about not judging. It's about the way that we love this world. If we plant the seeds of of, of forgiveness and love and mercy and grace, meaning if we have the, the vision of what the kingdom is doing in the here and now, God will take it and do exceedingly abundantly above anything that we can ask or imagine. So it doesn't matter if it's 10,000, 15,000, 20, 25, 30, 50, 100. It's not about the amount. It's about the freedom of the heart to follow what God is asking us to do. The kingdom is that Jesus proclaimed in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 19, that he took from Isaiah chapter 61. He says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that's what Jesus is doing now. That is the kingdom. And as I said before, God never stops and he's never satisfied with yesterday's accomplishments. And so as good as it is to think about what God has done in the past and we get grateful for those things and we look back and we're filled with faith for what he might do in the future, we have to have an old, a holy unsatisfaction with the things that we've done before and we have to be willing to step out of business as usual because God doesn't do business as usual. God does set things in order and God does work through systems and through structures, but God doesn't get stuck in doing things like he's always done it before. He's doing new things. And he even told them in, this, in the scriptures, behold, I do a new thing do you perceive it do you have the vision do you have the heart that is free enough to experience it that's what he's getting at today but if I'm tethered to the things of this world doing business as usual Noah I'm gonna miss it if I just go about business as usual Lot's wife I'm gonna miss it don't miss it in the midst of business, in usual, business as usual, invest into what God is doing. And I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come up and start praying behind me because we're going to close this thing in just a few moments. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we making decisions? And actually, this is the question that Pastor Rowe mentioned in his, in, his, in his message like four weeks ago when he began to introduce the vision. He said, are you making decisions based on what's happening around you or according to the increasing vision that God has given to this house? And he asked another question, are you able to see the miracle before the manifestation? We're not able to see the miracle before the manifestation if we're stuck in the temporary if we're stuck in the natural, if we have hearts that are tied to things here so much that they aren't free to worship and to follow Jesus and whatever it is that he asked us to do, whether it's to give money, whether it's to serve somebody, whether it's to love somebody, whether it's to get help for myself if I need help. Because generosity can involve a lot of different things. Generosity can involve the way that we spend our time. Generosity can be in how long and how often we pray. Generosity can be how much we love. Generosity can be the mercy that we show to people. Generosity can be the grace that we show to people. Generosity can be the forgiveness. Generosity can be the letting go of bitterness. If you've been hurt by somebody and you forgive, there is nothing more generous. 
If you're allowing somebody to be free and to walk forward in healing, there is nothing more generous than that. But it cannot happen if our hearts are stuck in business as usual. Because it's business as usual for the earth, for the world not to forgive. It's business as usual to withhold grace and mercy and love for ourselves because we're so thirsty for it that we can't give it away. That's business as usual. But what God can do with people that aren't satisfied with business as usual, What God can do with the people who are free to follow him. We don't just make the choice, so I'm just going to follow Jesus today. No, we have to do what this man had to do. We have to let Jesus get at the heart issue. And, it, and I don't even think that this had necessarily to do with money. It was just the thing in this man's life that had him bound. That was the thing that he, he found his security in. That was the thing that he found his status in. That was the thing that he thought apart from God that was what made him who he is. And so the first thing that we have to do today is we have to value our hearts, evaluate our hearts, and to let God ask the question. And to let God search and to let God dig and get to the place where our hearts are still held captive. And in that moment, challenge us out of that place. In that moment, to bring freedom in that place. In that moment, to set us free on a path so that we can now follow him. Because faith is not about how hard I believe it. It's the participation in whatever it is that I have hopeful expectation of. So I don't just make the choice. I participate in following Jesus. And I can't do that if I'm bound. I can't do that if I'm stuck. I can't do that if I'm still holding on. Pastor Rowe talked about the vision of Qhow. He said, Qhow exists to reach everyone we can with the good news of Jesus Christ that they may walk in the abundant life God has for them by loving God, loving people, and loving life. That can't happen with business as usual. It can't happen just by coming in the doors and singing a few songs and then, and then going out. It can't happen by just setting our, our daily routine on, according to yesterday's accomplishments. Because yesterday's accomplishments are today's mediocrity. And we don't have faith enough to believe that we can go further than where we're at right now. Because of business as usual, I had to wake up this morning and see that a man had lost his life. And that's why I'm investing into doing more in my own life. Because I don't want to get those phone calls. I don't want to get those Facebook messages and see those posts. I want to respond to God in faith. That what I'm willing to participate in, God will bring the increase. So the question is, 
Will you step out in faith today and participate in his kingdom? Today, by giving. Generosity is a lot of different things. But it so happens to today, it's about giving. So whatever it is this morning that you have to do right now, that you have to settle to, to, to free your heart to follow Jesus, to do what he's asking you to do today. And people always asking the question, well, I'm not sure what it is that God is asking me to do. I'm not sure which direction he's leading me into. I'm not sure which job to take. I'm not sure which jo go, you know, school to go to. I'm not sure which voice to listen to. I'm not sure what to, it is to believe. because we're getting things out of order. I'm a firm believer if that we're unsure about anything, it's not a God problem. It's that God has led us to a place where he wants to expose somewhere that we're stuck. He wants to take us to new heights and to new levels and to do new things, to reach new places, to new experiences and new glories. can't do it business as usual. I have to be freed to follow him. So if everybody would just bow their heads, close your eyes. What I'm going to do before Pastor Roe comes up and leads the rest of the service is that I'm going to give you the opportunity this morning to set your heart free. Because I know that if your heart is free, that you are then able to faithfully participate, hopefully participate in faith in what Jesus is leading you to do this morning. You can follow him. I don't have an amount. I don't have a desire. I don't have any investment into what you give. I don't have any interest in what it is that you give this morning. I know that if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, he'll lead you and he'll direct you to do that. I'm concerned this morning that your heart is free. So in this place, right here, right now, what is God leading you to? I know that the Holy Spirit has been speaking. It's something that you, it's not that you have to sit and say, hmm, what's my problem today? It's something that you know. It's something that you've battled. It's something that you've dealt with. It's something that's brought doubt. It's something that's brought hurt. It's something that's brought confusion. It's something that you haven't been able to just fight your way out of. And the reason that God does it this way is because he's not interested in what you give. He's interested in your heart. And if he wasn't, then we could just bring our gifts to God and we could pay enough money and then he'd be like, okay, I'll set you free. But that's not the way that it works. He says, I want to set you free so that you can experience everything that I have for you. So what is it this morning? Are you willing to begin to offer it up to God today? Are you willing today to step out of business as usual? Are you willing today to choose freedom? To hopefully, to, 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 to with hopeful expectation participate? You may not see it right now. You may not think that freedom exists. You may have done, have battled so long. You may have dealt with the pain. You may have dealt with the hurt. You may have dealt with what somebody said. You may have dealt with an experience. 
this morning, if that's you, I just want to pray a simple prayer with you before Pastor Roe comes up today. If that's you this morning, would you just repeat these words with me? Heavenly Father, maybe we could just all pray it together so that we don't embarrass those that may feel embarrassed. We say, Heavenly Father, I thank you today that I am free. I thank you today that you love me enough to set me free. You're not angry. You're not upset. You're not ready to quit. You're just beginning. And I believe today that as you've set me free, as you untether my heart from the things that has held it bound, that you're going to lead me into great things, to new experiences, to new glory, to new revelation, to new depths of who you are. And you're gonna use me in this place to fulfill the vision that you have cast to reach Staten Island and New York City and beyond. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace today. Now, Father, as I sit here free, speak to me about what you're asking me to do because I'm hard, my heart is free and I'm ready to follow. Now, Father, I thank you for your goodness in this place. I'm, pray, I'm gonna pray over you. Father, I thank you for your goodness in this place. God, I thank you today that your concern is our hearts. I thank you today that you want to set people free to set other people free. I thank you today that you have such a powerful anointing on this church, that you have such a great vision for this church. God, that even in the things that they are fearful to speak because they don't know how it's going to happen, and they, though they want to live by faith, they're even afraid to say, man, this is what we're believing because we just don't know how this is going to happen. God, that doesn't even scratch the surface of what you're, the surface of what you're getting ready to do through them. And so I ask for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to fill this church in such a way in 2019 that they can't even contain the overflow of what happens not only in them, but through them. God, I pray that even this individual, Lord, it had to be a seed that was planted this morning. Even in a car accident, Lord, there was something that was done, something that was broken by a sign of the natural in the supernatural. God, there was a collision this morning, and the, anger, the, the enemy is angry about it today, that God, your world and this world are colliding in this place today, and it may seem like destruction. It may seem like confusion. It, we may sit and wonder why in the world is this happening, but God, you've got great plans. God, you have something powerful in store. And Lord, I pray that you would increase the vision and the heart capacity to comprehend what it is that you are desiring to do. That Lord, as they worship, that the fragrance and the aroma 
of your praise would fill the houses in this, this neighborhood. Even those that I saw walking by this morning, unaware. Lord, we pray against, we pray against the days of Noah for them, that they would go about unaware and miss what you're doing right here, right now. But God, they would see it. So empower your people today, I pray. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.